Good to have you here. This is the third week of a series we've called Infinite, eight of the greatest stories forever told. We launched it two weeks ago talking around Adam and Eve. You can go and listen to the podcast of that and uh, catch up. Last week, we talked around Moses, a chapter in, in uh, Moses' life where he led, used by God to lead the people of Israel out of captivity towards their promised land. The way this series, Infinite, goes is it's eight of the greatest stories forever told, and they're going to be told here in chronological order. And the reason they're being told in chronological order is they're, they're actually snapshots or episodes of the biggest story that God has told throughout history. We're not teaching this so that we can become great historians. We're not teaching this uh, for, for, for general knowledge purposes. We're teaching from these stories that happened thousands of years ago because they apply today. They're relevant today. It's the same God that, that, that caused the things to happen then that we follow now. And we're the same inside us. The, the nature of, of who we are is the same as the nature of the people that we're going to be learning about uh, was thousands of years ago. And my goal and my commitment, and Pete's going to be preaching in a couple of weeks. We're going to use a couple of weeks of video teaching. The commitment is to demonstrate to you that, that God's word is not Dead, God's word is alive. God's word is living and breathing. Uh, hipsters would say God's word is organic. Um, it, 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 it's for us today. And, 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 and my commitment, even today, I'm going to be talking around this. We saw a little snapshot of that from this video about a guy named Elijah and how a, a chapter of his life applies to us today. So join with me. Uh, if you've got your little smart device, open up your Bible app. If you don't have the Bible app, uh, there's a little bit of details here. Log on to the Elevate Guest uh, NBN Wi-Fi network. Download the Bible app. Um, if that's all a little bit too complicated for you, we're going to have the, um, the, the Bible verses on the screen as well. Uh, but here's the thing. Just a little bit of, uh, a little bit of uh, reinforcement here. Uh, you might have the Bible app and think, well, why do I need to follow the Bible app if you're going to put the verses on the screen? Yeah, that's a fair question. Oh, I never thought that. Yeah, you did. Uh, in the Bible app, just if you haven't started using it, you can actually put notes directly in the text. So one of the great things is when God reveals stuff to you, even if it's stuff you've read before because God's word is alive and not dead, uh, you can actually insert notes there. So when, you know, stuff that God speaks to you about, stuff that God reveals to you, you can even use a highlighter pen, a virtual highlighter pen in the Bible app, just like you would have done old school, write on it, highlight it, and... Uh, it's become something actually that starts to tell your own story of how God's been speaking to you. So jump on that. We're going to take a deep dive, launching from 1 Kings chapter 17. So pull that up. Before I start reading from that, let me ask you a question. How many of you would characterize yourself as a decisive person? And by the way, if you're not sure what the answer is, I can assure you the answer is no. Okay, so we have four, four decisive people, and I make five. The reason I ask that question is in the next 30 minutes, I want to lead us to a point of decision today. I want to actually get us to a place where we will make a decision today before we leave here. I'm not going to promise what time that's going to be. Before we leave here, I'm just saying today. I'm not saying tonight. Don't freak out. But when I finish preaching this message, I want to... Get us to a fork in the road. I want to actually lead us to a fork in the road. And I want to challenge you at that point. 
I'm letting you know it's coming. I want to lead you at that point. I want to challenge you at that point to make a decision. Not make a decision this afternoon. Not make a decision tomorrow. Because sometimes if you miss the window, the window's shut. And this afternoon things get busy. I'll do it tomorrow. Tomorrow. Tomorrow's Monday. TGIM. That's fantastic. But it's still busy. Today. Before we leave here, I want to lead you to a point of decision. Let's take a deep dive into this chapter from Elijah's life. First Kings chapter 17, verse 1. And then this happened. What? Elijah the Tishbite from among the settlers of Gilead confronted Ahab. Now, Ahab was the king of Israel at the time, the appointed king of Israel. So, so Elijah goes to the king of Israel. You, you, not everyone just gets FaceTime with the king of Israel. Elijah got king, uh, FaceTime with the king and said this to the king. As surely as God lives, the God of Israel before whom I stand in obedient service, the next years are going to see a total drought, not a drop of dew or rain unless I say otherwise. Now, I'm going to teach this the way I've been teaching the last couple of weeks, is we're going to actually walk through a story, and I'm just going to insert some lessons. Because one of the problems uh, sometimes is we just kind of read the Bible, and we just, oh, it's a good story. Tomorrow, read the next story. There's a ton of stuff in there. In fact, most of the lessons that I find in here don't even make it in here, because then we would be leaving tonight. Here's one thing to know. Elijah, literally, at this point in history, had not appeared in the Bible. He literally came out of nowhere, right? So we don't know anything about him up to this time. He hasn't done anything public. But, but, but you got to think, you got to re- recognize that Elijah, he must have had some super tight relationship with God when you can go up to a king and you can say to the king, hey, king, I don't need a weather app. I flipping well am a weather app. You want to know? what the weather's going to be tomorrow, don't open your smartphone, ask me. And when you ask me, you know what my answer's going to be? I haven't decided yet. Listen, hey, Elijah, thinking of going fishing in the morning, what's the weather going to be like? Haven't decided yet. Uh, Elijah, going to go on a bike ride tomorrow, do I need to take my rain jacket? Mm. Check back with me in the morning. I haven't decided yet. This is a guy that had such a tight relationship with God that God actually gave him the authority, right? Gave him, delegated Elijah the authority to control the weather. And so boldly to go up to the king of Israel and say, hey, mate, king, I'm standing here in God's service. And and I just want to give you the heads up that it's not going to rain here until I say it's going to rain. Well, you can read the, next, uh, the rest of chapter 17 for yourself. You'll see two things. You'll see, number one, Elijah, having made that bold declaration to the king, uh, then ran away and hid. <laughs> uh, there was a bounty put on his head, and uh, he stayed off the radar for the next three years. There is a lot of miracles he performed during that three years, and I want to remind you, as you, some of you... Some of you think that God's lost your number. Some of you think that, that, that you're in a hiding place and God can't use you. Well, here's the thing. You can be in a hiding place and God use you powerfully to perform miracles. In fact, God actually describes himself as our hiding place. 
So don't think just because you're not where you want to be that God can't use you while you're on the way to where you want to be. Get that? You know, the thing is, preaching to you guys, is when you don't respond, I, I'm, I'm so confident God is speaking at the moment, is that I assume you're not responding because you're taking it all in. Is that a fair assumption? Good. Because you'd be like, yeah, hey, woohoo, woo! But like, it'd be like, you know, legally blonde. Woohoo, woohoo, blah, blah, blah. So it's good. Don't respond ever. Rubbish. Make sure you do. I ain't too proud to beg. All right. Let's pick the story up in chapter 18. A long time passed. Then God's word came to Elijah. The drought was now in its third year. The message from God to Elijah, go and present yourself to Ahab. I'm about to make it rain on the country. Now, a couple of things to understand here. Not only was Ahab the king of Israel, but actually he was the most corrupt, evil king to have ever ruled Israel. So, Elijah three years ago had gone up to that king, the evil king, the king who, who, who could and would have had him killed and said, hey, buddy, uh, no rain on your kingdom. And by the way, when you're, when you're in a farmer, which they were, when you're a pastoralist, which they were, no rain for three years, not good. There was no other industry for them to derive an income. They, they couldn't feed people because they couldn't grow crops. And this had been three years. So first of all, you had the, the kahunis to go up to the king and tell him that there's going to be no rain for three years. Then you decide, God says, hey, buddy, you can come out of hiding now, even though the bounty's still on your head, and go and tell that king who's been looking for you to kill you that, oh, uh, okay, game change, it's going to rain now. He still wants to kill you. Seems like a bit of a suicide mission, if you ask me. One of the things that you'll notice about Elijah as you read his story for yourself is Elijah had a rhythm to his relationship with God. And that rhythm was very, very simple. Not easy, but simple. The rhythm was simply this. God spoke, so Elijah went. That's the rhythm. Simple though not always easy. God spoke, so Elijah went. I wonder if that's your rhythm. God speaks, so you go. God says give, so you give. God says step up and lead, so you step up and lead. God says forgive, so you forgive. I wonder if, if you have that rhythm in your relationship with God. Because that rhythm, that's the, that makes all the difference. And too often we say no. God said, insert excuses. God said, insert arm wrestle. God said, insert no. Well, we can do that. We can arm wrestle. We can make excuses. We can say it's too hard. It's too inconvenient. We can say all that. But, but here's the thing. <laughs> if we don't get to the I went part, we'll never actually see the miracle that God was trying to use us to make happen. 
it'll actually, will pass block the miracle, which we can do. It's funny, so God's in control. You know what? Some of the times we're in control. We can say no. We take back control. God, you said yes, I say no, it's no. Certainly, at least it's no through me. One of the things that we say no about is, it, is, is it's costly. It's inconvenient. It's too hard. Well, here's the thing. When that thought comes to you, ask yourself the question, is God asking you to present yourself to the most evil king that ever ruled Israel and say to that king, hey, king, uh, three years ago, remember me? Remember me? Yeah, I'm the guy with the bounty on the head because three years ago I said it's not going to rain till I say so. Well, guess what? I'm back. And you think Ahab would have gone, awesome, mate. Boom. Great to have you back. Just compare your situation and the excuses for not saying yes to God to that. And it's still up to you to figure out what you're going to do. But here's the thing. God spoke, so Elijah went. Elijah set out to present himself to Ahab. The drought in Samaria at the time was the most severe. Ahab called for Obadiah, who was in charge of the palace, the COO of the palace. Obadiah feared God. He was very devout. Earlier, when Jezebel, which is Ahab's wife, Jezebel, and if you ever, you know, like when people make derisive comments of young girls, hey, you're such a little Jezebel, that's named after this chick, right? She was, like, Ahab was evil, she was eviler, right? And, uh, and uh, because you know what they say, behind every evil man is a... No, they don't say that! <laughs> Not out loud! You guys talk about suicide mission. Some of you are sitting next to your wife or fiancé. You're not brave. You're an idiot. They don't say that. They might think that, but they never say it. All right. See, so, you know, now Jezebel, the, 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 the picture is not only was she evil, but she's the one that carried all the power. Some, some joking preachers have said that the last decision uh, Ahab ever made for himself was when he stood at the altar and said, I do. I knew you'd get there. Earlier when Jezebel had tried to kill off all the prophets of God, Obadiah had hidden away a hundred of them in two caves, 50 in a cave, and then supplied them with food and water. Question, if you're a churchy person, been around church for a while, whatever, how many of you, whether or not you know a lot about his story, I don't know, but, but just how many of you have heard of Elijah? How many of you have heard of Elijah? Okay, cool, cool. How many of you know much or have heard of or know much about Obadiah? Yeah. And here's the thing. Years ago, and it's still true in some circles, years ago, I would hear people talk about, use the expression, in ministry. You're in ministry. You know, if it, and what they meant by that, and it still happens in some circles. What they mean by that is, is if you're if you're working in a church setting and your you know your your sort of your income is paid from a church setting, you're in ministry. Okay, some of you maybe heard that, and then and so there are those people in ministry, and and then there's everyone else. And uh, I can't stand that perspective because it's not the biblical perspective. The biblical perspective is that the moment you say yes to following Jesus, you're in ministry. Now you might get, be getting paid by a carpenter. You might be getting paid by a bank manager. You might be getting paid by, uh, you know, the point is 
you're in ministry disguised as a nurse, disguised as a bike shop owner, disguised as a, as a plumber. But, but all of us are in ministry. Sometimes I use the expression that I'm a professional Christian. I say that just to take the mickey. It's a joke. We're all professional Christians. Just that God pays some of us through a church and some of us through a, a, a normal job. So I have a normal job. And uh, the problem with that is that some of us think that it, it, it's only the, the, the leaders, it's only the, the preachers that God's going to use to see his kingdom advance. And, 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 and we kind of, we kind of, well, we outsource the miracles to them. And, and then we also kind of shrink back ourselves. Oh, I'm just a mom. I, I, I'm just a tradie. I, I, I'm just a student. I'm just Obadiah. And I want to say to you, if you've ever thought that, if the chatterbox has ever got in your ear and, and said that to you, you're just a mom. You're just a tradie. You're just a student. Don't ever, ever underestimate the importance of ordinary obedience. Don't ever underestimate the importance of off-the-grid Obedience. You might not ever make the headlines of the of the paper, and by the way, if you do, make sure it's for the right reasons. But but that doesn't mean that you're not being used by God to see his kingdom advanced just because maybe not everyone's going to know about you. Maybe you're not going to be as famous as Elijah, but God, while Elijah was doing his shtick, was also looking at Obadiah, who was faithfully doing what God had asked him to do, just without the same level of prominence, but not necessarily unimportance. Now, Oh, I forgot what I was up to. I was having so much fun. Oh, yeah, Jezebel. Uh, Obadiah hidden away, yeah, blah, blah. Okay, okay. So here's what happened. So uh, fast forward a little bit of this story. Elijah uh, called out Obadiah out of the palace and, and, and met up with him. Now, remember, Elijah's been on the run for three years, a bounty over his head, uh, calls Obadiah, who actually worked for the king, but thankfully was a devout man who actually followed God. And said to Obadiah, hey, listen, I need to book an appointment with, with Ahab. You mind making that happen? And, and Obadiah said to him, mate, there ain't no way I'm going to be get in the middle of that one. Ain't no way. Because, because I know what's going to happen. It's going to be just the same as last time. You're going to say to me now, I want to speak to the king. I'm going to say to the king, you're never going to, you're never going to believe who I just found. You're never going to believe who I just stumbled across. <laughs> Elijah. And, and you're never going to believe what he, he wants to meet with you again. You've got a bounty on his head. You couldn't find him for three years. He wants to come to you. That's amazing. And I know what you're going to do. You're going to throw me under the bus. You're going to disappear again. And then the king Ahab, he's going to kill me. That's what's going to happen. Which is a fair enough response. That's what Obadiah said. And Elijah said, no, mate. I'm I'm good. I'll follow through. You don't have to worry about it. So, Obadiah, good boy, went straight to Ahab and told him. And Ahab went out to meet Elijah. Now, just understand, at at this moment, Ahab was not thinking happy thoughts was not thinking godly thoughts, was not, didn't have his happy face on. He, he's, he's, 
going out to meet Elijah. And the moment Ahab saw Elijah, he said, Huh, so it is you, old troublemaker. It's not something that you want an evil king to call you. Because it doesn't typically go well from that point. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this little catchphrase down. Transformation and trouble go hand in hand. I get a really, 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 really simple formula for avoiding trouble. You might want to write this down. Please don't. A real simple formula for avoiding trouble is don't do anything that God ever asks you to do. The end. That's great, isn't it? You'll never change. And if you're never going to change, then you're no threat to the devil. If you're no threat to the devil, he's not going to bring trouble your way. So here's the thing. Just don't do anything. Don't live out of faith. Just live out of experience. Just copy, paste, year on year. Copy, paste. I've been following Jesus for 30 years. No, you followed him for one year and then you copied and pasted for the next 29. He's saying, come follow me. And you go, no, I'm just going to do another lap. Thanks. I like laps. It's familiar. Been there. Done that. No, every... But if you are open to God changing you, transforming you, then, spoiler, transformation and trouble go hand in hand. And one test is if you're not willing to be misunderstood by some people, you can't be fully used by God. Because if your goal is to be fully understood by people all the time, then when God speaks, instead of your rhythm being God speaks, so I go, our rhythm will be God speaks, so I run an opinion poll about whether or not I should go. And sometimes that opinion poll happens in this piece of real estate. Sometimes that opinion poll happens in conversations we have with other people. Here's the thing. When God speaks, we're not meant to vote. We're meant to go. So Elijah, he's got a bit of sass. He says, it's not I've caused this trouble in Israel. You and your government, you've dumped God's ways and commands and run off after the local gods, the Baals. And here's what I want you to do. Assemble everyone in Israel at Mount Carmel. Now, a little bit of uh, context here. Mount Carmel at that time, that was actually the headquarters of the Baal worshippers. The Baal worshippers were these, these other gods that the locals, the natives, had followed. So, so, so God had led the people out of Israel, uh, uh, sorry, people of Israel out of Egypt from slavery after centuries of, of captivity in Egypt. He led them out. He brought them through the wilderness. He'd had the Red Sea miracle uh, happen for them destroyed their their pursuers, delivered them into the promised land. They're now into the promised land. God did all of that. And yet despite God proving that he has the power to do all of that, reveal himself, showing them that actually he is the one true God, they got there and after a little while, they started sniffing around. Is there anyone else? Got any others? Discovered that there was this whole fleet of gods called called the Baals, this whole fleet like, 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 
like gods, like of all shapes and sizes. And, and so they started adding them into the mix. The God of Israel plus the God of, of sex, the God of cheating on your finances, the God of, and, and, and the list went on and on and on. And it's because of this that God spoke through Elijah and said, tell them that I'm going to cause a drought in their land. Sometimes God does some pretty severe stuff in our lives just to get our attention. And in the short term, it's not always good stuff. He allows bad stuff to happen, but sometimes it's only bad stuff that'll drive us to our knees. Because when we're standing strong and running 400 miles an hour and everything's sweet, it's easy to forget God. I know people who've lost jobs and they're in church every single Sunday until they get a job. And then they get a job and then their attendance starts to be every second week, third week. And I say, you know what? I just wonder if that's an insult to God. I'm not talking about being religious and, and whether God doesn't love you, but I just wonder about that. When you help someone out, you know, they come to you desperately and you help them out and then you never see them again. Oh, thanks very much. Man, I couldn't have done it without you. Never see you again. I just wonder if that's an insult to God sometimes. We try to add on other stuff. We forget what God's done for us. So Mount Carmel was the HQ of the Baals, and it was actually next door to Jezebel's place of residence. (laughs) So here's Elijah, the guy with the bounty on his head, coming back, confronting the evil king Ahab. And saying to, to him, uh, God, God's going to bring the rain now, but, 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 but actually, uh, I wanna, before he does, he wants to demonstrate to the Israelites again that he's powerful, that he's God. And, and, and so what, what he wants, this is how God wants to set it up. He wants us to do it at Mount Carmel, right? And it's going to be amazing. The thing about this story, the thing about this particular chapter in this story is, is God is so confident in his own powers that he doesn't mind giving the enemy home ground advantage. God doesn't have to have all of the circumstances in your life lined up perfectly to deliver you. God doesn't have to have all of the circumstances in your life uh, going all for you. In fact, God can even work when everything is going against you, against us. Because he's God. He doesn't need home ground advantage. He doesn't need everything to be all sweet and lined up. You know, and I'm going to marry this thought up just real quickly. Uh, I love when we gather as a church for what we call our live experience. This is where we come together live, hence live. We experience God. We experience one another, another and we pray Week in, week out, that miracles will happen here for our one hour, one hour of power. And we never call it that. But miracles, and, and don't you even think about it, miracles will happen here. That you'll experience God like you've never experienced Him before. We'll see people healed like they've never been healed before. We'll see people uh, released to generosity, mindsets change. We'll see the biggest miracle of all. People pass from death to life by accepting uh, to follow Jesus. And we're going to give you that opportunity in a few minutes' time. We pray that that happens every single week. But here's the thing. This is home ground advantage for God's people, right? And yet there is so many more miracles. There's so much more need for God's demonstration of power than just what can happen in one hour on a Sunday morning. And God calls us to be the Elijah that goes out there where the enemy seemingly sometimes has home ground advantage 
to use us to speak into situations, to use us to see God's power demonstrated. Because sometimes we're already convinced. Yeah, we'll see another miracle. Bravo, God. Bravo. Well done. And we'll, you know, we'll, we'll be back next week. But, 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 but what about you pray for your coworker who's sick and see them healed? Oh, it's going to get their attention. What about you're generous to somebody out there, not just giving to God, although, you know, give to God, yes, but what about don't put the brakes on when you leave? Don't, don't put the hand, handbrake on your wallet. Don't lock up the, the padlock on your wallet, but out there looking at, for opportunities for people in your world to be generous to seeing that miracle take place so that they can see God's power revealed. So here's the deal. That bit was for free. And make sure that the special pets of Jezebel, the 450 prophets of the local gods, the Baals, and the 400 prophets of the who, goddess Asherah, are there. I'll do the math for you. Elijah's saying, when we meet at Mount Carmel, the odds are going to be one, me, Elijah, versus 850. One versus 850. Home ground advantage to the enemy, and one versus 850. Well... If you thought it was a suicide mission before, but here's the thing. God likes to set things up where there's no human way possible for victory and then bring the victory so that the only explanation for the victory is that God brought the victory. So Ahab summoned everyone in Israel, particularly the prophets, to Mount Carmel. And Elijah challenged the people. How long are you going to sit on the fence? How long are you going to sit on the fence? If God is the real God, follow him. Or if it's Baal, follow him. Make up your minds. Elijah presented them with a fork in the road. He said, no more straddling, no more sitting on the fence, having the best of both worlds. Right now, God's calling you out. You've been treating God as an option. God's trying to say to you, hey, mate, I ain't no option. I'm the one true God. And if I'm God, follow me and no other. God plus nothing. Now, if you understand the, 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 the time and in, in the place, maybe you might even throw your bone to the Israelites because what had happened is they'd come from centuries of, of slavery where, yeah, it was hard. Yeah, they were, were oppressed. But, but their job was to build pyramids. And then at the end of the day, they got fed and, and then they slept. Now God had led them on this crazy journey through the wilderness, part of the Red Sea, delivered them from their captors, delivered them into the promised land. But now, now they had to become farmers and they'd never farmed before. So what are you going to do when you go into uncertainty? Are you going to trust God that he's going to provide for you or are you going to do what the locals are doing? The Baal worshippers who've been farmers. And still alive. So probably they know something that we don't know. So yeah, we trust God to do the, the delivering thing. We trust God to do the Red Sea thing. Pretty impressive. But, but, but the day-to-day stuff, 
the farming stuff, the providing stuff. That's not God's thing. God's the big miracle guy. We need someone who's into the day-to-day stuff. So, so we'll say, God, yep, we're going to follow you and trust you for the big stuff, the Hollywood movie stuff. But, but we need, we're, going to, we're going to look to the Baal gods for the everyday stuff, for the little moving parts. See, God, you wouldn't understand that stuff because you only do the big stuff. And that's how they've been living. God plus the gods of Baal and God's calling them out at this point in history. How long will you sit on the fence? Because God doesn't like to be thought of as an option. God doesn't like to be part of the God smorgasbord on our buffet table. He is a jealous God and he says that he'll have no other gods before him. And so he called them out, and this is a point of decision. Looking at this story today, it's a point of decision. Because some of us, we, we say we want to follow God, but we also want to keep our options open. And God says, no, no, it doesn't work that way. You say yes to me or you say no to me, but you don't say Maybe. Maybe it's not, not an option. It's not, it's not on the table. It's, it's, uh, it's two boxes, yes or no. Tick one or the other, but there's no box in between. How long will you sit on the fence before you decide that God's really enough? How long will you cheat on your tax return before you acknowledge that God's really your provider? How long will you make serving God optional? The last thing you commit to and the first thing you give up when the pressure comes on before you realize Jesus gave everything for you and didn't see you as an option, didn't see death as an option, but saw them as something that God called him to do. How long are you going to sit on the fence? You know, the gods we follow these days aren't to help our crops to grow. The gods we follow today are the, are the, are the things that we look at and lean into and we don't think God's going to be enough. The shortcuts we take, the lies we tell, the, the, the integrity that we shed, because, because we don't think God's going to get us there, so we think we, 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 better, we better look to something else to nudge things along. That's sitting on the fence. God's leading us to a point of decision. <laughs> I'll give you a, a story that's happened just this week, and uh, it involves fences. There's a, we got a car park out the back, and uh, there's an adjacent property uh, off the cul-de-sac road there. About four or five weeks ago, the, 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 the fence in between there, I don't know why you have a fence between your house and a car park, but anyway, someone might break in and steal our car park. Um, the fence blew down. Storms and the fence blew down. And so it's an insurance job. To get, and the, 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 resident, the, the, the resident pays half, and we pay half, and... New fence goes up, right? Duh, you know that. And uh, so we've got three quotes, like you do. And uh, one, uh, one of the fencing companies, I'm going to say who it is, one of the fencing companies said to me, is it, it's an insurance job, right? I said, yeah, 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 insurance job, yeah, yeah. Okay, because the way we work with insurance jobs is we send you two invoices once the job's been complete. We send you the invoice for a large amount, and you send that to your insurer, and then we send you a, a, a lesser invoice for the real amount, and you pay us that, and then you keep the balance. 
Now, we, of the three quotes that we got, that was the only company that, that offered us that, that incredible opportunity. And so of the three companies that quoted, we gave the job to that company. Don't look at me like that. It's a great bargain. It's, it, it, the difference between the, the, the insurance invoice that we send to the insurers and pretend that's what we actually paid and the, and the one that we really paid was hundreds of dollars difference. Hundreds of dollars. Now, our excess is $250. So, so even if we just had the one invoice, when that fence knocked, knocked down, it's still costing Elevate $250. That's $250 we could be using for something kingdom-related, not stupid, flipping hardy fence-related. So you've so you got to think, if someone, the, the difference between the, the for, with this company, the, uh, the invoice that they, that they, that they, they said, sent to the insurance company and the one that you actually pay was more than the $250 excess. So we're not ahead hundreds of dollars by going that route, but we've made up our, our excess and a little bit of pocket money to spare. So we gave them the job. The end. Well, see, here's the thing. I hope that you know that there's obviously something I'm leaving out. And we did give them the job, this particular uh, company, because they actually did provide the best quote and they were referred to us by a property manager we use as someone that does high-quality work. And if you have a look, you'll see nice fence with nice capping and it's all beautiful. It was done on Thursday. But I said to them, we'll give you the job, but we only want the one invoice. We want the real one, the one that, it's gonna, that, w- that we're going to pay you. And she's like, no one does that. Right? And I didn't say to her, yeah, but we're not Baal worshippers. But, but that's actually, that is actually the story in that conversation. No, no one would have known. I wouldn't have told you. No one would have known. Well, that's not entirely true. See, God would have known. And, I'm, and I didn't do that so that I could stand up here and tell you the story and you think that I'm all that and all that. And be- no, it, 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 it. The moral of that story coincidentally about a fence, is that we're trusting God to provide financially for us. Not God plus skimping on your insurance quote. Not God plus doing dodgy deals. Not God plus going behind someone's back and gossiping about them in the hope of pulling them down. Not God plus, 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 plus. God, we're trusting you that you're enough. We're going to lean on you and not on our own understanding. We're going to acknowledge you in all of our ways and trust that as we do, you'll make our paths straight. So that point of decision that I let you know that I wanted to lead you to is, is, is happening right here, right now, in case you missed it. How long are you going to sit on the fence? 
You may have said, yeah, I'm following God. I'm, I'm, I'm not doubting that for, for most of us because I know your story. But, but, but I want to I I get you asking the question, not as a form of guilt or condemnation, but certainly as, as, as at a moment of conviction, are there any things that you've put on the table that are God plus, that God's saying to you right now, get them off the table. I don't need a safety net. And nor do you. You don't need a backup plan. You don't need a plan B. If you've chosen me, choose me. If I'm the real God, choose me. It's tax time. How are you handling your finances? Are you handling your finances in such a way that says it's, it's God plus nothing? I'm, prov- I'm trusting him to provide for me and I will act with integrity and generosity. It could be, it, it, whatever it is, the point of decision today is how long will you sit on the fence? If God's a real God, follow him. Some of you haven't ever made the decision to follow God. And we want to give you that opportunity right now. Your, your fence sitting is between whether or not to, to follow God. Yes or no, God or not God. We want to give you the opportunity now to say yes to following God. If, he, if, if you're sitting there and, and something in your heart is saying to you that God is the real God, that the God that Mark's been preaching about, that Elevate's been singing about, if that's the real God, if he's the real God, I want to follow him. Well, for those of you that have never said yes to following him, in a moment, we're going to give you that opportunity. It's going to be real simple. I just want you to put your hand up. Put your hand up to God and say, yeah, God, I, I want to follow you. That's me today. When I see a hand, you can put it down. And then we're just going to quickly pray all together. So just as we finish up, for those of you that have never said yes to following God, how about you put your hand up right now? Make that decision. Don't sit on the fence. When I see a hand, you can put it down. Then we're going to pray.